Today on The Matt Wall Show, as people are canceled for tweets and jokes and opinions, we'll consider the major pop star who admitted publicly to drugging and robbing men and yet has not been canceled for it. What does that tell us about cancel culture? Also, five headlines, including Columbia University working towards racial equality and equity by holding segregated graduation ceremonies. And Sharon Osbourne facing the repercussions of briefly disagreeing with the left about something. And also Marvel announcing their new gay Captain America that's historic. Finally, in our daily cancellation, we'll discuss the rampant cultural appropriation that is taking place today on St. Patrick's Day. I, for one, will have none of it. All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. So after Cardi B took to the Grammy stage in what appeared to be a costume from a never-aired Showgirls Power Rangers crossover film, and writhed about on a large bed while lip-syncing to her X-rated hit WAP, many people pointed out the obvious irony. Here was a major pop star flopping around on the stage, screaming about her genitals during primetime on a major network, even as certain Dr. Seuss books, Looney Tunes characters, Muppet films, and Disney cartoons have recently been criticized, censored, or taken out of publication completely for their supposedly objectionable content. It would seem that our culture has a rather confused idea about what sorts of material might be damaging to impressionable children, or impressionable adults, for that matter. Now, it might be more accurate to say that our culture doesn't really care about protecting kids from damaging material and only uses those concerns as a vehicle to enact sweeping cultural changes. Either way, the contrast between WAP and Dr. Seuss is as instructive as it is depressing. And it's also the kind of conversation that would cause previous generations, if they looked through a crystal ball and overheard it, to throw themselves off of cliffs en masse. Yet, the really profound cancel culture hypocrisy as it relates to Cardi B can be found not in her music, but in something else. Recall that the singer only a few years ago confessed on camera to drugging and robbing men. In a deleted Instagram video, she boasted of having lured men, she didn't say how many, but it would seem that there were numerous victims, from the strip club where she worked back to a hotel room where she committed these felonies against them. Now, the clip is kind of hard to understand, but uh, here it is again anyway. Listen. Truly a scholar is this woman. And she's trying to prove that she deserves her success by telling us that she is guilty of multiple felonies. What do you mean I don't deserve to be successful? I'm a criminal. That's the logic. Now, when this video resurfaced in 2019, Cardi B addressed it, but never used the phrase, I'm sorry. She merely admitted that she's, quote, not a perfect person, which may be the only understated thing she's ever written or said and explain that whether or not they were poor choices at the time, I did what I had to do to survive. Whether or not they were poor choices, this is a justification, not an apology. It's also a lie. In other interviews, the rapper has bragged that she earned upwards of $3,000 a night from stripping. By the age of 21, she claims she had 20 grand in singles saved. By 22, she was starring on a reality show, Love and Hip Hop New York. So 
When exactly was she so poor and destitute that she had to drug and rob people to survive? It doesn't appear that Cardi B views drugging and, and assaulting people as any kind of serious action requiring desperation to justify anyway. Now, even if she did view it that way, she'd be wrong, but her own words suggest otherwise. In a different video, while dispensing some helpful relationship advice, she said that if a man cheats on her, she'll, quote, take him out, drug him, then enlist a, quote, tranny, her words, not mine, to sexually assault him while he's inebriated. This is, again, this is what she said. Let's listen to that. Cheat on me. I'm be that guy. I'm going to take him out. We're going to get drunk. I'm going to get him all perked up and everything. We're going to have a good time. Get him super twisted. Then bring a bitch around. We're going to have a threesome. And when he wake up, he's going to be like, what the f***? Yeah, because the bitch was a tranny. I'm be like, yup. Yup, we had a threesome with a tranny. Yup. Yup, a tranny suck your d***. You don't got to f*** another d- to get even, bitch. This woman's IQ is, I mean, it has to be at least double digits. Now, it's not clear if she's actually done this herself or is she simply recommending it as a course of action. Nobody's thought to ask because none of this has been judged important by our cultural overlords. Now, a contestant on The Bachelor attended an Old South-themed frat party in 2018, and that past infraction made it around the same age when Cardi B was committing violent crimes that would land less privileged people in prison for three decades, has been judged so severe that multiple tearful apologies are not enough to rectify it. We've seen people canceled for tweets and jokes and off-the-cuff comments and other sins which cause no physical harm or any other kind of harm to anyone. We've seen people lose their jobs and their livelihoods for opinions they expressed or words they said, no matter the context or intent or how long ago it was. Cardi B has survived all of those rounds of canceling. The cancel mob has not just passed her over or looked the other way, but given her a pass from all present and future cancellations. She's afforded this privilege for obvious reasons. For one thing, the primary transgression that will get you canceled is having white skin. It's no coincidence that almost every canceled person you can name is white. Cardi B has not committed that violation. So that's the first thing. For another, the leftist cancel mob truly considers an offensive opinion, joke, tweet, or word to be far more dangerous and evil than drugging and robbing people, especially men. It's not as though they're, they're gritting their teeth and merely putting up with Cardi B in spite of these terrible things that she had boasted of doing. No, it's that they don't care. Or worse, they love her even more for sticking it to the patriarchy by means of violent felonies. In a culture where feelings are king, the worst thing you can do, even worse than violent crime, a lot worse, is have unapproved feelings or opinions or to offend the feelings of someone who has approved opinions. What all this means is that, uh, well, it means a lot, but here's one thing. We can at least put to rest the flimsy rationalization that cancel culture is really a matter of accountability. I mean, if that's all the mob was doing, holding people accountable then certainly Cardi B would be in line for a little accountability of her own. She might, at a minimum, be expected to reach into the ample profit she's earned from singing about her body parts and repay the men she robbed. That wouldn't even come close to full accountability. Full accountability would involve her sitting in a jail cell until sometime in the 2050s. But it would be something. Instead, we get nothing. We focus on holding random bachelor contestants accountable for the frat parties they attended and newspaper editors accountable for a single word they said on one instance in an entirely innocent context two years ago. 
while criminal sociopaths like Cardi B carry on making their millions, spewing filth into our children's ears and never having to apologize for anything. Call that what you want, but please do not call that accountability. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, a lot of us, if we grew up uh, in the ancient times of, say, the 90s or any time before that, or even more recently, you may have a lot of priceless memories that are stored um, on technology that uh, is not really considered technology anymore. You got home movies, you have, you know, physical pictures and all of that. Problem is that, um, you know, those things are sitting in a box somewhere in the attic or in the basement. Really bad idea, especially to put them in the basement if you have them there. And every day that goes by, it's a risk because they can be destroyed. That's why you need Legacy Box. Legacy Box is a way for you to easily and affordably digitally preserve your past. The process from start to finish is really easy. You pack and send all the stuff you want them to digitize. Their team digitizes everything by hand, and then they send it back to you. So all you got to do is just put the stuff in a box and send it up. It's that easy. Get back perfectly preserved digital copies on thumb drives, DVD, or the cloud, ready to watch and share and enjoy um, for years and decades to come. Plus... They keep you up to date with regular email updates throughout the digitizing process, so it's a lot of fun as well. I've done it myself. You should do it. I could not recommend it enough. Get started preserving your past today. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh to get an incredible 50% off your order today. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer and send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh and save 50% while supplies last. So a tweet here from ABC reporter Ben Siegel. It says... Um, POTUS tells George Stephanopoulos that his dog, Major, did not bite someone and penetrate the skin. He said 85% of the people there love him. All he does is lick them and wag his tail. We're in the process of having a training session. So there was, there was reports that the dog had been biting people and that they had, to, um, they had to send the dog to somewhere else. Send the dog to the big doggy house in the sky. No, I don't think they did that. I think they sent it to Wilmington, um, which is almost as bad as being killed. But in any case, now, now the, the, the Biden is defending the dog and saying, no, well, 85% of the people love him. Can I just say, 85% is not a good figure. That's, that's not, that raises some questions about the 15%. There are a lot of people in the White House, hundreds. 15% of them don't like this dog? No, if, if there is even one person um, in an indoor environment who doesn't like a dog, then that dog should not be there. Because the indoors are for people, not dogs. Dogs really don't belong in the White House. Dogs don't belong in any house. Dogs belong outside because they are smelly beasts. That's where they belong. I don't want to hear any complaints. You know I'm right. And don't tell me, well, the dogs won't survive outside. Well, you know, it, 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 it's if an animal can't survive in nature, then then... Natural selection has to take its course. That's all, you know, that's it. I'm sure we can all agree on that. There'll be no complaints about what I just said. Okay, let's go to number one here from Fox News. It says, Columbia University is planning to hold six additional graduation ceremonies for students according to their race and other aspects of how they identify. The New York City Schools website details graduation ceremonies for Native, Amer uh, for Native Asian, Latinx, and Black students taking place for Columbia College Columbia Engineering, General Studies, and Barnard College at the end of April. Another dubbed FLI graduation is for first-generation and or low-income communities. 
And then the school is also hosting a lavender graduation for the LGBTIAQ plus community. So now they're, they're defending this by saying that they're still having a regular gener- uh, graduation for everybody, but then they're going to have the segregated ones too on top of that. So that makes it okay. So if you had segregated drinking fountains, but you also had a drinking fountain that anyone could use, but that would make it okay. You got black and white drinking fountains. So we go back to that black and white drinking fountains. And then if anyone complains, we say, no, 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 but there's, there's also a drinking, drinking fountain across the hallway that you can, any, anyone can use that one. This is, this is, this is simple. This is segregation. This is actual racial segregation that is being reinstated by the left. And it, and it does make me wonder, so if you've got the regular graduation and then all these other graduations, does that mean that, so what about a, a, a student who's a, a student also gay, also um, black, also indigenous, would they go to like six different graduations? I guess so. This is how we have, it, it, it really is amazing to witness how we've gone just full circle right back to Jim Crow. And we are doing it in the name of racial tolerance and equality. Going right back to separate but equal. And I hate to use the, 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 the term because this is so overused and used so often by people who've never even read the book but, or any of his books, but, this, but it really is Orwellian. There's no other real word to describe it. The way that racial equality has now become synonymous with the very thing that those who um, were fighting for racial equality historically were trying to get rid of, which would be segregation. Now, in more... Um, Racial insanity news. The Atlantic, surprisingly enough, has an editorial about the BLM indoctrination happening in our schools. And the article is titled, What Happens When a Slogan Becomes Curriculum? And it starts by saying, Last month, a public school district that serves mostly elementary and middle school students in Evanston, Illinois, held its third annual Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action. Using curriculum created in collaboration with Black Lives Matter activists and the local teachers union, It introduces children as young as four and five to some of America's most complex and controversial subjects. For example, parents of kindergartens and and kindergartners in District 65 were asked to spend time at home discussing a book on race that teachers had read aloud to their children. Teachers had already read it aloud at the school. And now uh, parents are being asked to talk about this book at school. The book is called Not My Idea, A Book About Whiteness. And it's it's more anti-white brainwashing um, this, this book is being read, by the way, to kids all over the country, not just in this one school district. To give you an idea of what's in it, I found a YouTube video of a guy uh, reading the book. And here's something that I found that appears towards the end of, um, of this book. And it's, it's kind of interesting. Let's listen to it. Here it is. Because Anastasia Higginbotham is fun and, and creates little things at the ends of her books, here are some activities. Want to know whose liberation you're fighting for? Your own. White supremacy has been lying to kids for centuries. White supremacy is pretend. The truth is much simpler. (laughs) Dangerous. Not dangerous. Whiteness is a bad deal. It always was. All right. Here's a contract binding you to whiteness. You get 
stolen land, stolen riches, special favors, and then there's a little footnote that says land, riches, and favors may be revoked at any time for any reason. Whiteness gets to mess endlessly with the lives of your friends, neighbors, loved ones, and all fellow humans of color for the purpose of profit. The only price is your soul. Sign below. Dude, we can see your pointy tail. Yeah, who do you think is trying to make this deal? Mm-hmm, not an angel. You can be white without signing on to whiteness. Okay, so whiteness is a bad deal, and uh, that's that's the deal that they, and this, again, this uh, book re they're reading to kids, goes without saying, but I'll say it again, because I always say things that go without saying. Um, that could be really be the name of the show. It goes without saying. So it goes without saying, but um, th there's, there's no universe in which they're reading a book called A Book About Blackness, and it contains a page that says, blackness is a bad deal. No universe. You can only do that with white people, right? But what is the, uh, what's, so what's the deal? They say, if you, if you sign on the contract and you say, I want to be a part of whiteness, I'm a white, I'm a white person, whiteness is, uh, that's, that's what I want. You get stolen land, um, money, and special favors. <laughs> sounds like a good deal. I mean, I think I'll take it, actually. If that's what you're offering me, sounds pretty good. I don't know when I get to cash in. I, I'm like a sucker. I'm paying for the land that I'm on. I haven't gotten any of this stuff, but I'll take it. See, let, let, let's, let's put aside for a moment the fact that this is totally nonsense. Um, and that this is the idea that this this is what comes with being white. And by the way, if if we are all living on quote unquote stolen land, which we're not, but if we are, then everybody in the country is too, not just white people. It's that would mean black people also are sta are living on stolen land. If I'm responsible for stealing land, then so is my black neighbor because we're living in the same literally on the same street, right? But let's put all that aside for a minute. What they're, what they're telling us is that, well, you know, if you're, if you're white, you get all this privilege, you should turn that down. Why should I? Why should I turn it down? See, the problem is that the left, they've gotten rid of any objective notion of morality. So they have no, they have no language for morality anymore. So they can't even really explain why I shouldn't take that deal. You could say, well, it's wrong. It says, who says it's wrong? You say it's wrong by your standard? That's not my standard. I don't care about your standard. Well, but it hurts people. Why should I care about that? Well, you should. So who says who? See, they've gotten rid of, by getting rid of morality, they, 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 they get rid of morality, and then they tell you if you're white that you should sacrifice all of these wonderful perks that you allegedly get. Why the hell should I sacrifice it? Now, you know what? Until you can explain to me on a moral basis... You want to bring objective morality back into this deal here? And you want to bring that back into your worldview? And we can, we can live in a culture that, 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 is, that rests on objective morality? Then fine. So that's a deal I'll make. That's my deal. Bring objective morality back in. And then I will sacrifice all of these supposed perks that I get, which will be easy because I don't have them in the first place. So I'll, I'll hand them over. They don't exist. I'll hand over the empty bag with my white perks. And, um, and that's a deal. I'll make that deal. That deal right there. But if you're, but if 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 you if we're gonna if you're gonna keep objective morality out of the bargain, then hell no. 
I'll take it all. Sounds great. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more privilege for my whiteness. I love it. Why shouldn't I? Number two, a tweet from the U.S. Army official account. Um, and, you know, probably in the Army, they're reading this exact same book, I would think. Uh, here's the tweet from them a couple days ago. It says, extremism can tear apart cohesive teams. Colonel Timothy Holman is the Army's chief diversity officer, and his aim is clear. Do what he can to help open a path for future Army leaders and make the force as diverse as the nation it defends. So we have diversity. Now, this is, of course, not a new phenomenon, at least not new in the last couple of years, but um, we have diversity officers in the Army now, and they, they want the, the, the force to be as diverse as the nation it defends. Why? Why should the... Why do you want the force to be as diverse as the nation at defense? If you were, you know, if you're a, 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 a famous celebrity, you know, and you, you needed bodyguards around you when you leave the house and you needed, you needed guards at your actual home, are you going to worry about them? Do you, are you going to worry about them being diverse or do you just want the most effective people who are going to do the best job of keeping you safe, regardless of what they look like? Why should, diverse, why should diversity matter anywhere? Why should it matter especially in the military? Which prior to going insane was all about uniformity. Being an army of one, they used to say. I don't even know if they have that slogan anymore. If they do have that slogan, they have to get rid of it because you can't be an army of one if diversity is the most important thing. We want everyone to be an individual and express themselves. That was never the deal. That was never the point. You want people to move and be as one unit which requires uniformity, which doesn't mean that everyone has to have the same skin color, but it does mean that diversity cannot be your primary guiding principle. We're going to get to a point, and I think we're there already, where um, conservatives are going to stop sending their kids into the military. Or rather, they're going to stop, uh, stop encouraging and start discouraging their kids from going into the military. I mean, that that's going to happen. It's It's already happening you know as much as I as much as it kind of pains me to say it if, if my you know my son is not anywhere near old enough yet but if he was if my son was 18 years old right now today and uh, he were to when I get home tonight if he were to go, come up to me and say hey dad you know I'm, I'm thinking I want to join the military I would try to talk him out of it I would try to talk him out of it. I wouldn't be able to stop him he's 18 he could do what he wants but I would definitely try to talk him out of it because you're going to go into the military and be subjected to this, be subjected to left-wing brainwashing that you can't escape from, that you, that you don't have the right to even object to in any public way. I mean, it's bad enough if it happens at work, um, but at least there you have the option. You can speak up. If you get fired, you get fired. You can, you can quit. You can leave and get another job. There's still a lot of risks involved there, but with the military, if they're doing something you don't like, you can't just say, I'm done. I'm out of the military. It's not that simple. So I would have to think as a, as a, a parent, as a conservative parent, I would have to think, well, okay, my son's going to be subjected to this madness. Um, he's not going to have the ability to really speak up against it or protest it. On top of that, you know, we have a president right now who's using the military as a political prop, political pawns. They've militarized the capital. Is my son going to be sent to do that? 
Or if not that, he's going to be sent to some far-off country to die to, to, for, for, for the sake of spreading democracy to people who don't want it? That's, you know, that's where my mind would be going. And I'd have to, I'd have to go with, no, I don't, I, I don't think you should. If you do, I would respect it. I think it's an honorable thing. But um, I don't think you should. And, I, I, and that's more and more. I think conservative parents are saying that. And then what happens? Because I'll tell you one thing, the left is not going to supply enough manpower to the military to protect this nation. Not, even, not, not anywhere close to that. So the military with this stuff, they are actively attacking and discouraging the, the very group of people that they need. Conservative parents, conservative patriotic families. That's who supplies the military with its manpower. And right now, their goal is to basically alienate all of those people. Not a smart idea. Okay, um, let's see here. Where are we? Sharon Osbourne. Okay, we'll, we'll play. So, so from, uh, from CNN, it, it has begun. You know, we talked about this yesterday. The process to officially end Sharon Osbourne's career for committing the sin of criticizing cancel culture. You know, after outrage, we talked about this yesterday, uh, she, she defended Piers Morgan, who got fired for criticizing Meghan Markle and was accused of being racist. And, and uh, Sharon Osbourne spoke up during her talk show called The Talk on CBS. And she said he's not racist. Um, and then because of this, they shut down production. They, 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 they're doing an investigation. And I said yesterday, she's done. Like, they're, they're going to they're gonna take her out now. Her career is over because of this. And now it has started. Here's the report from CNN. It says, the talk co-host Sharon Osbourne is fighting back against accusations that she had used racist and homophobic language while speaking about her former colleagues on the CBS talk show. The accusations were made Tuesday in a story written by journalist Yashar Ali, citing former talk host Leah Remini, who spoke on the record in the piece and a number of unnamed sources. And now they're, dr they're um, drudging up all this stuff that she supposedly said in the past, all these racist remarks and everything. But nobody was talking about this before. Nobody cared about this before. Uh, and now we're going to now, right after Sharon Osbourne expressed an opinion that the left doesn't like, now they're going to, quote, hold her accountable for all these racist things that she allegedly has been saying for years, allegedly. And the worst thing is that they still, you know, they still act, play dumb and say, what are you talking about? What's this is, this is just a story about people reporting things that she said over the last 20 years. Yeah, why now, though? You're doing this now to punish her for disagreeing with you, and you know it, and that's cancel culture. So what we're looking at, after Shannon Osbourne loses her job, which she certainly will, probably by some, some point today, uh, maybe, we, you know, at some point today it'll be announced, if not tomorrow, that she's, she's gone. Uh, and when, when she's gone, that's going to be three talk shows, three prominent hosts, or TV hosts anyway, who've lost their job over the last couple of weeks for criticizing cancel culture. Sharon Osbourne, Chris Harrison of The Bachelor, and uh, Piers Morgan. Three of them in like three weeks lose their jobs for criticizing cancel culture. And yet cancel culture doesn't exist, we'll be told. Remember that. In an interview with Entertainment Tonight, um, Sharon Osbourne addressed these claims that are being made. Well, not so much the, the racism claims, but she, she, she addressed the controversy, trying to defend herself some more. And uh, here's what she said. Sharon said what unfolded on air felt like a betrayal from her co-hosts after a pact they made in February. 
There was a situation in February. Carrie-Anne was given a question to ask Elaine, and Carrie-Anne didn't want to ask it, but it came from the producers to ask Elaine. And it was, if black people can use the N-word, why can't white people use the N-word? I would love to hear what you have to say. Which is a very naive question to ask. We all know why. So Elaine got very upset with her response. Carrie-Anne started to cry. So we agreed we would never be surprise each other with questions if we thought the other one hadn't been prepped. And we said we will never put ourselves in this situation again where we set each other up. So we all agreed as women, got your back. I finished saying what I'm saying and then Cheryl asked me these questions which I didn't know and they were written questions and then Elaine's reading her questions. Stand up for anti-racism. And I'm like, I've been set up. Don't try and cry because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. And I went like, how dare you all do this to me? I'm your sacrificial lamb. So that's her defense. And uh, not that she needs to defend herself, what she was saying in the original, in her original comments that started all the controversy, well, there's nothing wrong with any of it. So she doesn't have to defend herself. But her defense is pretty good. Yeah, it's, she could be lying about all that, but um, sounds like a pretty credible story. And she's saying, look, they, they sprung this on me and they, they know that we don't do that on this show. Um, and that's something in general when you're on a show together. You, it's Even if they didn't have a pact uh, originally, you, you know you don't. If you're doing a show with someone, someone's a co-host, and you know you have a difficult question that's going to be difficult for them, you, you don't spring it on them on the air, right? Um, and so that's what she was upset about. Perfect, perfectly rational defense. But here's the problem. Uh, it doesn't matter, first of all. There's, there's no defense. And it, the reaction to this online, to this that interview with Entertainment t- Tonight, the reaction from the cancel mob and f- from the left one and the same, of course, is, but, oh, well, now she's trying to make herself the victim, huh? Yeah, she is the victim. Who else is the victim? What, her co-hosts who are still going to have a job and are perfectly fine? They're the victim because they had to listen to her opinion? If there's any victim here, yeah, I guess it's her. She'll be fine. She's worth $200 million. But even so, she's the one who's going to lose her job. And she's the, the, the social pariah. So, yeah, she's the victim. Not anybody else on that stage. But it doesn't matter because um, they're not going to listen. And also, you already apologized, Sharon Osbourne. She already apologized and gave the, the she, she issued the statement saying this and that, and I'm so sorry and everything. Too late. Too late to defend yourself. Why did you apologize at all if you, if you have a rational explanation, which of course you do, because again, you didn't do anything wrong to begin with. She should have come out from the very beginning and said, you know what? This is BS. I didn't say anything wrong. These people sprung this on me. They know what they did. They're the bad guys here. I don't care what any of you people think. They know what they did. Should have said that, but uh, you can't. You can't do both. You can't kind of apologize tearfully and also try to defend yourself. That doesn't work. You already admitted guilt. Too late. Too late. All right. Number five. Huge news here from the New York Daily News. Um, big, big stuff. Huge, huge headline news. There's a gay Captain America. On the way, the Daily News reports Marvel Comics is celebrating the 80th anniversary of Captain America with a gay teen superhero 
The publishing company said in a press release that its newest hero, Aaron Fisher, is making his debut on June 20th, or rather June 2nd. He'll be featured in a new limited series titled The United States of Captain America. The series will feature the original Captain America, Steve Rogers, tipping up with Captain Americas of the past, um, including Bucky Barnes, Sam Wilson, and John Walker, traveling across America to find his stolen shield. And they're going to find all these other Captain Americas, or rather, I think it should be Captain's America. Find these other Captain's America, and uh, one of them is going to be this, this gay teenager. And again, big ground baker. This news article says it's groundbreaking to have a gay character. Right? No, you... Speaking of not having it both ways, you didn't know it's not groundbreaking anymore to have gay characters. Where there's a lot of those all over the place, and so it's it is no longer historic or groundbreaking or or new or anything. It's just totally normal. It's what everyone expects. Um. So they're gonna have the gay Captain America. The thing is, when I first saw this story pop up on on Twitter, I I really thought it was a joke. I kind of skimmed over. I didn't see that. I didn't see who wrote the headline because. They show the image of what this gay Captain America is going to look like. And he looks like a gay Captain America that somebody would make up to make fun of the idea of having a gay Captain America. And yet, it's it's for real. And the other issue um, that, I, that I would say is, when I heard about this, I thought, okay, gay Captain America... I thought, I thought Captain Planet was already sort of a gay Captain America. I thought that was his role. Apparently, I was wrong. All right, let's move on to reading the YouTube comments. Liam Wall says, Matt, uh, says, Matt seems like the kind of guy who could handle himself in a knife fight. I like to think I can, but please don't call my bluff on that one. Mama G says, Matt, please make your own brand of beard care products so I can buy them for my husband's beard. His is fine, but yours is great. Well, I, I appreciate that. It would it'd it'd bring great shame and disgrace to your husband if he knew that you were um, looking at another man's beard, though, I have to say. Uh, let's see. It says Another comment says, Matt, I don't quite get it. Sure, praise Ellen Page for being a gay white woman, but the transition without the change in sexual preference only makes her a straight white male, something we're supposed to criticize, not praise. Seriously, Elliot, go home. You've made yourself irrelevant. Yeah, well, this is the this is, of course is the uh, one of the many contradictions that you get with left wing gender theory, with especially with their their theories on sexual orientation and how those interact with their theories on gender, uh, because they say that sexual orientation is immutable and cannot be changed. Milo Yiannopoulos says that he's not a gay man anymore, and they say that's impossible. You know, once gay, always gay. You can never be. It's it's ingrained within you. You can, it's not a choice. Well, yeah, but if I can change my gender, that means I can change my orientation. No way around that. If you're saying that, because you, you, you think it's that you, as someone on the left, you can simply declare that Milo Yiannopoulos is still gay, even if he says he isn't. But yeah, but if he became a woman, which he can do, um, and was attracted to men, now he's straight. That, his sexual orientation changed by your logic from gay to straight. If he's really a woman now, attracted to men, then that means that he is really a straight woman because he's attracted to men. No way around it. But of course, there's so many logical contradictions and uh, their way of navigating it is to simply ignore it. And that's all. Finally, Dan says, Matt, just checking if you're going to get a stimmy check. Hope to hear back. 
Um, first of all, I, I'm not even going to answer that question. You know how I feel about the stimulus welfare payments, um, which are being issued for no good reason whatsoever. But calling it a stimmy, I, I am not on board with this. I am not okay with it. Nobody ever consulted me. We all decided to start calling the stimulus checks a stimmy. A stimmy? You're a grown man, presumably. Calling it a stimmy? This thing, where, and I think this is one of the great, one of the great crises, one of the great threats that we face as a culture, where, where grown adults, even men, are shortening words by adding an E sound to the end. So like veggie, comfy, stimmy. It's, it is disgraceful. My children don't even speak that way. Okay, my oldest kids are seven. They don't even talk that way. If my kids were, can I have some veggies? I would say, vegetables, you mean? Use the whole word. Doesn't take a lot more effort. Yeah, you hear grown men at Applebee's saying, yeah, can I, get the, can I get the steak with some veggies? Can I get some veggies with the steak, please, with my steaky? Oh, this chair's really comfy. Glad I could buy all this with my stimmy check. Pathetic. Horrible. Anyone who says stimmy check, they should immediately have their check revoked. That's my take on that. You know, there's nothing better than waking up after the alarm goes off and you've had a deep and restful sleep. There's nothing better than that. And then nothing worse than the realization that you have to face another day in this cruel and heartless world. But forget about that. Let's focus on the sleep. Helix Sleep as a, a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you want to have the perfect sleep, you got to get a Helix Sleep mattress. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or uh, if you sleep really hot with, with Helix, there's a, a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. You don't need to take their word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. There's a reason for that. You can discover the reason yourself. Just go to helixsleep.com Walsh and take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Uh, I, it's, but you got to go. It just takes a minute. And it's so amazing that you take this quiz, a few questions, and then they send you the mattress and you think, yeah, this is exactly what I was hoping for. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off and free pillows with all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com Walsh. That's helixsleep.com Walsh for up to $200 off your mattress order. And Candace Owens, um, she's, she's here. Her show has finally started. Uh, and, you know, we know she's no stranger to controversy, has absolutely no fear when it comes to speaking her mind. We saw this just yesterday as she renewed her fight with Cardi B over Cardi's, uh, I guess we'll call it a performance at the Grammys. Needless to say, Candace lives rent-free in a lot of people's minds, and you just never know which one of her opinions will go viral, which is why you should tune in to her new talk show, Candace, starting this Friday, March 19th. The show will be exclusive to Daily Wire members, so you've got to be a Daily Wire member first to be a part of this and to see what everyone's going to be talking about. Um, and you can get a new membership uh, for 25% off with code Candice over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. So again, don't forget, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candice for 25% off to get access to Candice's new talk show. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candice for 25% off. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today on St. Patrick's Day, it falls to me as a man of Irish ancestry to speak up on behalf of my people. I'm afraid I must inform you that uh, if you are not Irish, then you are not permitted to take part in today's festivities. If you're wearing green, you must remove the offending articles of clothing at once. Do not drink green beer. Do not wear a four-leaf clover pin. 
Do not make any references to leprechauns or other mythical Irish creatures. Do not eat corned beef and cabbage. Certainly don't eat Lucky Charms, just in general, because Lucky Charms taste like little chunks of packaging styrofoam coated in sweet and low, but also because it's offensive. My culture is not a breakfast cereal. The fact is that to, to do any of the things that I just listed is to appropriate my Irish identity and culture. It is to degrade and cheapen the lived experience of the Irish and to trivialize the historical marginalization and persecution we have suffered and to fetishize fetishize our identity. By attempting to celebrate alongside us, you will be committing an act of unfathomable, unspeakable bigotry. Now, you may point out that non-Irish people who celebrate St. Patrick's Day are obviously appreciating Irish culture, not stealing it. In fact, when I warned about the dangers of Irish appropriation on Twitter last night, the Embassy of Ireland, yes, the actual Embassy of Ireland, responded from their official account, taking my tweet entirely seriously, which is great because it was serious, of course, and declared that anyone is welcome to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. It's appreciation, not appropriation, they said. But this is a case of internalized Irish phobia, I'm afraid to say. I mean, surely we all know that the appreciation, not appropriation line wouldn't fly in any other context. If the Irish embassy defended white people who wear dreads on the basis that it's appreciation, not appropriation, they would be condemned as racist. We all know that. And so I am condemning the Irish embassy as racist against themselves, which you really hate to see. Now, you might also argue that St. Patrick's Day isn't solely an Irish holiday. After all, St. Patrick himself wasn't even Irish. He was kidnapped by Irish pirates and forced to live in Ireland as a slave. I mean, he was himself appropriated, you might say. Also, many of the traditions associated with St. Patrick's Day have developed over time and not just in Ireland. You could argue that St. Patrick's Day, as we know it, is more American than it is Irish at this point. You could argue all of that, but the problem is that white people who wear dreads are accused of appropriating from black people, even though black people didn't invent dreads and weren't the first ones to wear them. Kendall Jenner was accused of appropriating tequila from Mexicans when she started her own tequila brand, even though native Mexicans didn't invent tequila. This is a common theme among appropriation claims. The people who are allegedly being appropriated from are not the unique originators of the appropriated thing. Yet it's still appropriation in those cases somehow, just as it is in this case. Now, most of all, in objecting to my claim that St. Patrick's Day is being appropriated, you might insist that the whole concept simply makes no sense whatsoever. A holiday isn't a car or a bicycle or $50 in your wallet. It can't be stolen. Styles can't be stolen. Cuisine can't be stolen. To use a popular phrase, these are social constructs. Another person's participation in such a construct does not hinder your ability to participate in it. You are not deprived in any way. Nobody's peeing in your pint of Guinness just by celebrating the holiday unless they're literally peeing in your pint of Guinness, which would be a whole new issue to deal with. Anyway, you, may, you, you might say all of this about St. Patrick's Day, and you might even be right. But sadly, none of those excuses work when it comes to non-white cultures, so I will have to insist that it doesn't work here. And the fact is clear. If you celebrate St. Patrick's Day today, you are directly victimizing me. The trauma that I feel from your St. Patrick's Day celebration is hard to put into words. Maybe because it doesn't exist, or maybe because it's so indescribably painful. As a person of Irish descent, a PID we call ourselves, which when added to the acronym for Black and Indigenous People of Color becomes P-I-D-B-I-P-O-C, LGBT. As such a person, when I see pictures of, of, on social media of non-Irish individuals eating Lucky Charms or drinking green beer, I mean, I, I, I can't express 
the pain in a way that, that fully captures the totality of my emotional experience. Now, do I think that you should have your life ruined for celebrating St. Patrick's Day? Do I think that you should be labeled a bigot and cast out of society for it? Yes, I do. It's the only way. The only way. But remember, even as I advocate for completely disproportionate penalties against you for doing something totally innocuous and innocent, the real victim is me. Please consider my feelings in all of this. It doesn't matter if my feelings are unreasonable. You should be required to accommodate them anyway. After all, I'm the Irish one here. Well, part Irish, a certain percentage. Never mind that. I'm claiming victimhood based on my membership in a group, but never mind the question of whether I really belong to that group in any meaningful way. Those are racist questions to ask. It's racist to ask that of Meghan Markle, just as it's racist to ask it of me. It is racist to defy me or question me at all as I am the victim. Do as I say. That's the best way that you could celebrate St. Patrick's Day, if you must. By bowing before me and submitting yourself utterly to my every whim. Maybe if you do that, maybe, I can finally find peace and healing. And that's what really should be most important to you. So in conclusion, needless to say, anybody who is not Irish and celebrates St. Patrick's Day today is canceled. And should be thrown immediately into the sea and drowned. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We'll leave it there for today. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Cardi B slanders Candace Owens' family and Candace absolutely destroys her. America's racial politics get even more contentious and President Biden's border crisis explodes. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm.